Hey friends, welcome to the Drivecast, a daily podcast walking through the Bible to help us read it in, pray it up, and live it out. My name's Dan, and I serve as the teaching pastor for our new Worthington campus. Today, we're looking at Revelation 14, verses 6 through 13. I'll read the passage, and then we'll get started. Revelation 14, starting in verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying high overhead, with the eternal gospel to announce to all the inhabitants of the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He spoke with a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship the one who has made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. And another, a second angel, followed, saying, It has fallen, Babylon, the great city has fallen. She has made all the nations drink the wine of her sexual morality, which brings wrath. And another, a third angel, followed them and spoke with a loud voice. If anyone worships the beast and its image and receives a mark on his forehead and on his hand, he will also drink the wine of God's wrath, which is poured full strength into the cup of his anger. He will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the sight of the holy angels, in the sight of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment will go up forever and ever. There is no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast and its image, or anyone who receives the mark of its name. This calls for the endurance of the saints, who keep God's commands and their faith in Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so they will rest from their labors, since their works follow them. First, let's read it in. This is such an interesting passage for us to discuss. We've seen time and time again that the book of Revelation opens up some pretty profound images for us that make us either... uh, uncomfortable with how God responds to the world around us or challenges some core beliefs on how we ought to relate to God or how he wants us to approach him. And one of those interesting points is right in the beginning, in verses 6 and 7, the first angel that speaks and proclaims to every nation, tribe, language, and people, what he says is this, fear God and give him glory. And I think that's an interesting word because we don't often think about our relationship with God in a positive way in terms of fear. Fear is something that we uh, typically think of, you know, with spiders or uh, something that is dangerous and uh, something that can deeply harm us. We might be afraid of something that is evil or, or, or bad. And so it feels odd to apply that word to our relationship with God. But I think there's something about fear that maybe we misunderstand. You see, this word in the original language, which is uh, Greek, not English, is a word that has much more in common with how we would use the word reverence today. Almost uh, as if there is something to revere in who God is. And it challenges this notion, uh, sometimes this casual notion that we have with God that, uh, that he's, you know, that Jesus is just my homeboy or, or he's just my buddy. And that there is, uh, something about who God is and what he is like that is other from what we are, what's familiar to us. And so there is like a reverence that we are called to have with him. It makes me think of, uh, a, 
particular scene in C.S. Lewis's famous uh, book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe from the Chronicles of Narnia series. And for the first time, uh, the children who've entered into this realm of Narnia hear about this mighty lion, Aslan. And Aslan, of course, uh, is represents uh, uh, Jesus in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And as they're hearing about this lion, um, one of the youngest characters, Lucy, uh, a girl, asks uh, another character who knows all about Aslan. She says, is he a safe lion? Uh, or is he a tame lion? And the character responds and said, he's not tame, but he's good. And I think that captures so much of how we are supposed to envision God particularly with this word fear, because he is all-powerful. There is a reverence that we are called to have before him, a trembling that we have before him, and yet not because he's scary. What we also see in God through Jesus is his profound goodness. He's not tame, but he's good. I love that imagery. And that makes me uh, think a lot of what John is talking about and describing in Revelation 14. As you keep reading, there are other angels who continue to proclaim uh, different things uh, to all of creation in Revelation 14. The first one is that we all ought to uh, worship, to fear God and give him the glory that is due. The second angel, though, proclaims that Babylon, this uh, great city, which really represents a uh, like the counter of all of God's creation. It's like the anti-Israel. Uh, if Israel represents God's people collected together, then Babylon represents those who are opposed to uh, him. It's this upside-down kingdom uh, that Revelation talks about. And yet this angel is now proclaimed that Babylon, the upside-down kingdom who is ruled by the beast that we've been hearing about, has fallen. It's over. Its reign is come to an end. And the third angel then proclaims anybody who continues to follow and live under the rule and reign of Babylon will experience the same demise that Babylon has experienced because ultimately... What Revelation is showing us is that Jesus will be victorious over all things. He will reign victorious over Babylon and over its citizens. And yet it's this reminder that as followers of Jesus, we have been called out, out of citizenship to this world, out of citizenship from Babylon into the citizenship under the rule and reign of King Jesus. Revelation 14, 6 through 13 is giving us a stunning picture of this future, uh, the full future kingdom that Jesus will uh, finally inaugurate here on earth as it is now in heaven. Now, let's make sure we pray it up. We want to pray back parts of God's word back to him. So I invite you to pray with me. I'll add a few prayer points and give you space to pray yourself. First, like the passage reminds us, we want to fear God and give him glory. Let's spend some time asking the Lord that he would cultivate within us a deep sense of reverence that we would have for him, that we would ascribe glory to him in all that we think, say, and do.
Secondly, as verse 8 reminds us, the kingdom of Babylon is doomed. It will not prevail. And I know some of us right now, maybe you're listening uh, this morning and it feels like uh, that you have been crushed under the weight of the anti-kingdom. That, that you have something going on in your life that feels like uh, the enemy is particularly fixated on you in this moment. Let's take a moment to pause and remind ourselves that ultimately God's kingdom is the one that prevails, that Jesus will be victorious even over what we experience here and now in this life. Let's pray and ask God that he'd remind us of that and that he would allow us to fix all of our hope and our attention and our affection on him and his victorious kingdom. Finally, let's make sure to live it out. We don't want to just be hearers of the word only, but doers of the word. I think it's an easy default to live in a Christian bubble or just huddle up with other followers of Jesus who think like us, who talk like us, know the insider language and jokes just like us. And yet what this passage reminds us with these angels who are going out proclaiming Uh, the good news of Jesus across the world to every tribe, nation, and tongue is a a paradigm for how we are supposed to live here and now, that we would be the mouthpiece of Jesus to share the good news of Jesus' sacrifice to the rest of the world. What might that look like for you today? What relationships has God given you that you are going to interact with today, maybe in the next hour where you can be the mouth point, mouthpiece of Jesus to share the good news and the hope that you have, like these angels do as they proclaim the good news to all creation. Friends, I want to thank you for joining us today for the Drivecast. As we take this into this weekend, let's be ready to come back and continue to read it in, pray it up, and live it out next week. We'll see you there.